looking at a walk with God, which is chapter number four. We saw the mystery of godliness reviewed in verses one through seven. We talked about that last week, and we saw uh, that God has called us to be God, um, again, hold to godliness and what godliness is, and to watch out for apostasy. And um, there's a lot of false teaching that's out there. We need to uh, be very weary of seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and, uh, and those who would hold to things that would pull us away from truth and our church. And uh, understand this, the devil would love to get you and I away from the local church. Um, we need the local church. It is our place of teaching, instruction, encouragement, and uh, the Lord established the church. He gave it to us. It is one of three institutions that He gave to us to help our life, and, uh, and uh, we all need each other. And uh, one of the great tools of the devil is to try to get his children, or the Lord's children, to feel alone and separated from God's people. Don't allow the devil to pull you away from God's people. And um, we'll begin to make you feel like you don't fit in, like you don't belong. You'll start feeling everyone's critical of you. You'll start feeling like no one really cares about you. Before long, you're drifting away. And uh, well, someone really did treat me wrong. I wish I could tell you that that would never happen, but it will. Jesus said so. The Lord said offenses will come. All right, and uh, when offenses come, it is to be expected. But I believe a great teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ is: though offenses will come, we do not have to take offense. We can yield that to the Lord, and uh, but don't allow the devil, the enemy, to pull you away from the truth. And we left off in verse number seven of First Timothy chapter number four, and uh, left off there says refuse but refuse profane and old wise fables and that's where we pick up let's start reading there second half of verse number seven it says and exercise thyself rather unto godliness for bodily exercise profiteth little but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you, Lord, for the word of God tonight. I pray that you'd help us as we look at these next few verses in First Timothy. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, um, that we have the privilege of, Lord, preaching and teaching the Word of God. Lord, I just pray you'd help us tonight, and uh, just open our eyes that we'd build wondrous things out of your law. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. These things command and teach. It is an honor and a privilege to preach the Word of God, and I uh, love being able to, uh, to get up and to open God's Word. I love studying books in the Bible. Um, I told somebody this past week, October has been an extremely uh, busy month preaching-wise, uh, for for myself, uh, I looked at the calendar. Thirty one days in October, and when the month's over, I'll preach fifty six times. 
That's pretty amazing. Uh, but uh, yeah, it catches up with you. Uh, but uh, that's why I'm not been leading singing, saving the voice. Uh, but uh, but again, uh, praise the Lord. You say, you know, why are you doing it? I love preaching the Word of God. And a nurse, I don't care if it's a nursing home, chapel service, uh, just give me that opportunity, I'll jump on it. I just, I'm very thankful for the privilege. Um, why do we come to church? You know, say, well, I've already heard a sermon out of 1 Timothy 4. I never open the Word of God that God doesn't give me something new. And we need the Word of God repeatedly. Uh, Paul tells Timothy to put the brethren in remembrance of these things. We need reminded of these things. Because these things will begin to slip. Hebrews says, lest we let them slip, uh, they can begin to slip. And uh, so uh, we have to hold to these things. But uh, we're looking at, the uh, again, the mystery of godliness reviewed in verses 1 through 7. Now in verses 7 through 16, which we'll not get to tonight, all of that. But starting at the second half of verse number 7, we're going to see the manifestation of godliness revealed. The manifestation of godliness revealed. Now before we get into it, Make a very quick statement. There's a big push in churches today that godliness right, is relative and godliness is up to your own viewpoint. and That's simply not true. Godliness has been taught to us in the Word of God. And godliness is important. Acting godly is important. Being godly is important. Um, it says in these verses, and we'll talk about it tonight, that godliness, in verse number 8, is profitable unto all things. Did you know how godly you are affects your marriage? How godly you are affects your emotions? How godly you are affects your, your, your physical being? It affects all things. It is profitable unto all things. Living a godly life not only pleases God, it helps us. And God wants us to live a godly life. And so we're going to look at this here tonight, uh, you know, the manifestation of godliness revealed. The first thing we see, what we're going to look at tonight, verses 7 through 11, you see by personal exercise. By personal exercise. Again, Paul said, don't waste time arguing over fables and theories that don't mean anything. Because all that does is take you away from time that we need and building up ourselves spiritually. You see, first of all, underneath this, pretty good outline tonight, all right? Uh, but first of all, underneath this, you see the question of proper exercise. The question of proper exercise. Exercising spiritually, in verse number 7. It says, uh, it says exercise thyself rather unto godliness exercise thyself rather unto godliness uh in a thursday night coming up soon i don't know exactly when i was actually going to preach this past thursday lord saw otherwise uh next this coming thursday will be uh colts but then probably i would assume the next thursday uh that uh but we're going to look at you know what it is to meditate on the word of god to have a walk with god and go into detail how do we do that? Why do we do that? Uh, and that's what this verse is talking about. It says, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. To be, here's bottom line statement for tonight, right? If you're, gonna, if you're having a hard time tonight, staying awake or whatever, get this next statement, right? 
being a spiritual person takes work. It takes work. Not, not to go to heaven. Right? You go to heaven by grace, are you saved through faith? Not of works. Right? But if you're going to be a spiritual person, it takes work. Uh, that word exercise there in verse number 7, it is the, uh, the Greek word gymnazo, which we get our word gymnasium from, right? Which means to push yourself, right? To, uh, to exert. I think everybody knows how to, you know, not that we all do it, but, and I'm not one that does it either, right? But we know how it works, right? People go to the gym, they lift weights, and what is, I know there's probably much more scientific ways of explaining this, but basically, you're lifting weights to break down your muscle, so that your muscle repairs itself and rebuilds itself, and when it does, it gets stronger. You're constantly tearing down to build up, all right? But that takes work, all right? And those who, uh, you know, are buff and, you know, not me, uh, but those who are buff, right, and, uh, and, and it's taken work. It didn't happen. Say, what happens if you don't work at, you know, lifting weights and stuff? Eh, you're looking at it. All right, uh, you know... Um, you know, I, I, you know, the other day it was so humbling. I uh, stopped UDF on the way in and uh, got me a drink. And, uh, on the, and then I started taking off heading the church. I couldn't open the thing. Had a twist cap on the top. You know how embarrassing that is? I could not open it. And then I finally get to school and I walk in. The first person I see is Cody sitting there. I was like, Cody, can you try to open this? There's something wrong with it. I, I don't know if it's pressurized. You know, Cody's like, <laughs> and he said, takes a little muscle, Pastor. I was like, hey, all right, <laughs> thanks, Cody. All right, but uh, you know, uh, you know, but you know, the, the fact is this. All right, you know, if if you say, well, I'm just gonna sit around, sit in a chair, sleep, get up, and I expect to be, you know, have you know, huge 30-inch arms, and it ain't gonna happen. Not gonna happen. Right? It takes work. And if we are going to be a spiritual person, it takes work. You have to exercise right, thyself unto godliness. We have to work at it. Right? Say, so what does that entail? Well, we'll talk about it tonight. But, you know, people do it with their physical bodies and they have no issue with that. You know about. You know the amount of money that's spent in this country on gym memberships? And, and I'm all for it, all right? I have one, all right? But the fact is this, all right? Those gyms, I mean, some of them that are open 24 hours, there's people there 24 hours. They're working, trying to get themselves, you know, physically in shape, and that's great, wonderful. But that takes work. That's why they're there. Our spiritual life is of great more importance than the physical. Now, the physical is important. But comparatively speaking, the spiritual life is of far greater importance. And as much as you're going to work on a physical life and exercising it, we need to put that effort, if not more, into our spiritual life. Because it isn't just going to happen. Now, with a physical self, if you want, and I'm not, you know, this isn't really in the sermon, but, you know, you get this in your physical life. You know, I, I did a quick 
Google inter, internet search, you know. All right, so, you know, I want to get in physical shape, all right? And here's the goals they gave, which is really, really, I think, practical for us spiritually. I'm going to tell you what it said physically. You think spiritually with me. Number one, have realistic goals. I'd say I'm going to get spiritually minded. I'm going to read the Bible 18 hours a day, right? That's not a realistic goal. Not that I'm against reading the Bible, right? But, you know, that's, uh, you're going to read it to read it. Not about doing, it's about relationship. Remember that, right? But have some realistic goals, right? Uh, then it said this, right? Uh, repetitive exercise. Every day. Exercise. They recommend 30 minutes a day. How do I do that spiritually? Open up your Bible. Read the Word of God. Spend time in prayer. Pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Pray for others. Worship God. Have a walk with God. Repetitive exercise. Then this. I thought this was really important. A reasonable diet. Be careful what you're putting in. All right? Is there any right, anything wrong with, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, Cody, since he embarrassed me the other day, right? Is there anything wrong with Cody eating a Twinkie? No. Nothing wrong with it. Right? He's young. He can eat the Twinkie. It won't bother him at all. Now, if I eat a Twinkie, I'm at a point in my life that wouldn't be healthy for me. So I'm not going to eat a Twinkie, right? Um, but even Cody, well, one Twinkie bother him? Nope. If he eats 10 a day, he's going to get fat. He will. That's what will happen. You have to have a reasonable diet. Be careful what you're putting in yourself spiritually. What you look at, what you listen to, where you're at, it affects you. you better have a reasonable diet. And then it said this, you have to have resolve. You can't quit. Church, if we want to have a spiritual, godly life, it takes work. You've got to put some effort into it. I read, I uh, forget which author I was reading, but he just made the statement, and he wrote, he wrote this book I was reading in 1974, I believe. But it said this, it said, our churches today are filled with spiritually lazy people. And I don't think we got much better since 1974 amazing how the doctor will tell us you know if you don't you don't drop 20 pounds you don't take this therapy and start working on this you're going to have serious serious issues we're like oh i'm all in but the word of god tells us if we don't have a walk with god if we don't get in this book daily and we don't spend time in prayer every day we're going to struggle spiritually and we're like well i'll try to work it in but i don't know no wonder we struggle and i said it the other day and it's just simply true the future of our church depends on every one of us in this room having a walk with god there's no other way to put that. The future of our church depends upon that. Because the decisions of this church is made by the church, and if the church is not led by the Spirit of God, we can go down the wrong direction very quickly. And that requires a spiritual life. I read also this week, there was a world-famous violinist years ago, and he made this statement. He said this, If I do not practice one day... I can tell it. If I don't practice two days, the conductor can tell it. 
If I don't practice three days, everyone can tell it. So Tyler's a piano teacher, and Miss Lauren has taught piano. I'm sure that they, they can tell when their students haven't practiced. The fact is, spiritually speaking, you don't have a walk with God a day, you'll know it. You go a couple days, your spiritual authorities will know it. You go a week or so without having a walk with God, everybody's going to know it. We must invest in our spiritual life. It takes work. You have to designate a time, place. You've got to walk with the Lord, get down on your knees, carry the burden that God wants you to carry. But we need to exercise ourselves unto godliness. Again, that's what the verse says. A little quiet, but... That's truth. We have to exercise ourselves. You're not going to wake up one day and be spiritual. You're not going to, you know, turn a certain age and all of a sudden you're going to be spiritually mature. That's why, matter of fact, you have a young Timothy here who is a young man, but he was spiritually in shape. While the elders in the church at Ephesus, there were wolves in sheep's clothing. And that's why Paul had to say, Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. Be an example. Because he was spiritually more mature than those older people in his church. Your age does not mean you're going to be spiritual. You can have a 19-year-old that is more spiritually mature than a 59-year-old. It's who's putting the work into it. And this is the good thing about the spiritual, all right? You don't have to, like, go and, you know, get a machine. Spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on memberships and machinery. You just got to get in a book. There came a point when my grandpa couldn't see anymore. For a while, when he couldn't see, he'd go to his house, and his Bible would be sitting there with this big old magnifying glass. Where every day he'd sit there in this magnifying glass, verse by verse, reading it. He probably could have quoted half of it. But he continued to exercise himself unto godliness. When he couldn't read it anymore, even with the magnifying glass, he would play it. On tapes, then CDs. To hear the word of God. It takes work. If you've gone weeks without having a walk with the Lord and prayer time and Bible study, spiritually you're breaking down. We must exercise the spiritual right, man. But then in verse number 8, we also exercise the physical man. It says, For bodily exercise profiteth little. It's not... It, it, the verse is not teaching that you shouldn't bodily exercise. Right? The verse is teaching that in comparison to the spiritual, it's not near as important. Now, the physical body is important. We need to take care of these physical bodies that God's given us. We need to do our best. You know, sometimes things happen to these bodies that are out of our control. Sometimes we break down. Sometimes there's diseases. There's nothing to do about it. It happens. 
But when there's things that we are just physically letting ourselves go and allowing that to happen, shame on us. I'm not, you know, getting on to anybody. You know, Travis Burke had to realize that. You know, I topped off. Alex is about nine, ten years old. And uh, topped off. I'm okay now because I lost it, right? But 304. That's how big I was. Three oh, don't whistle, man. Come on. Right. Wow. Yeah, no, three, I don't care. 304. And my back hurt. My knees hurt. And I'm, what, 33? 34? And um, my sugar is out of control. And I realized this is dumb. This is dumb. I'm killing myself. And uh, lost a bunch of weight. And if I can do it, anybody can do it, right? I feel better. First time I went, I went to the doctor a couple months ago and did a complete physical. And uh, the doctor, for the first time, I think since I was like 10, the doctor said, well, your health, your weight is good. Can you say that again? <laughs> he laughed. He's like, yeah. Yeah. He's just like, yeah. I was like, yay. Uh, you know, and I was excited about that. Um, you know, and I'm not, all I'm saying is this. I realized I, I'm being foolish. I kind of would like to live long enough to be used by God in every way he wants to use me. I don't make it a God in my life. My health is not an idol because people can do that. You can tell they spend three hours in a gym, but they can't spend three minutes praying. Amen. I, I, you don't make it an idol. There is profit in taking care of yourself. But in comparison to the spiritual, it's nowhere near as important. It has value, the physical does, but nothing in comparison the spiritual. It says, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. We see at the end of verse number 8 and verse number 9 we should exercise the eternal man. The eternal man. You see, godliness is profitable in verse number 8. Godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. All things. When we live a godly life, it affects the life, look what it says, that now is. If we live a godly life, it affects our present life. Right? And of that which is to come. Living a godly life not only is profitable for you in this world, but it's profitable in that next world in which we're going. Your physical life? Alright? You know... How well you're taking care of yourself bodily now really has not much benefit in the life that is to come. But being godly is profitable in all things in this life now and the life to come. Being godly affects your physical life. It affects your physical life. 
an ungodly life, those who live an ungodly life and involve themselves in drinking and, and uh, staying out and, and living ungodly or, or living uh, immorally or, or you have drugs, you have all these things, it affects you physically. I mean, probably you have, have seen just as much as I have witnessed, you know, especially working on sometimes bus routes or just meeting people. You'll meet some people and, you know, and there's been times that ladies or, or men have answered the door, uh, door knocking and, and uh, you know, you look at them and you would think, well, they're probably 50, 60 years old and you find out they're in their 20s. So what's going on? Sin breaks this body down. Living a godly life affects you physically. It's profitable physically in your life. It is profitable emotionally in your life. When we live an ungodly life, if we lay out a church, we get involved in whatever, and we live an ungodly life, it begins to affect you mentally, emotionally. I mean... There's more medication that is prescribed for depression today than hardly anything else. And there are some, you hear me say this, there are some, all right, because of thyroids and, and uh, imbalances, there are some needs for that. But the majority is spiritual. The great majority of that is because people are not spiritually right with God and they get depressed and they get full of anxiety and they allow themselves to break down because they don't have the walk with God. It affects them emotionally. It affects them physically. It affects them mentally. It affects their relationships. Again, and I, I'll just say it again because I've said it a lot lately, but I've never had a couple sit in front of me that their marriage was needing help and they're falling apart, that one or both of them did not have a walk with God. And that's not just my experience. I, I talked to uh, Pastor Rick Carter, who does counseling. I talked to Terry Coomer, actually, this past week. Uh, he does counseling. He travels the country, and, and actually he's in going to Ireland next week, uh, and, and, and teaching on counseling. And they all, 100%, stop and let it sink in. 100% of people that need help because their life's falling apart, 100% a lack of a walk with God. But it takes work. It takes exercising. It affects in every area of our life. It is profitable. The word godly means the quality of being like God. Now again, I'm not talking about all-powerful omniscient. I mean, in your, in your holiness in your life, in your actions. And it only comes from being in the Word of God because the more we're in the Word of God, the more we think like God. We get the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you. And that can only happen by spending time with God. And that happens with, with all of us. You know, the more we spend time with someone, the more you begin to even think like them, right? I mean, you just, you know, I, I make jokes all the time, you know, like uh, uh, me and uh, Brother Matt, you know, Still to this day, we can have conversations by looking at each other. We'll just look at each other. And he'll be like, yeah. And I'll be like, yeah, right? And we, because we, 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 we learn each other's thoughts and it's scary, right? You, you know, my wife and I, all right, something will happen. She'll glance at me. And I'll be like, it's okay. We're going to be all right. You know, or, 
or she'll look at me saying, I know what you're thinking, right? It'll be okay. We have conversations. Why? Because we know the way each other think. That only comes from spending time with each other. You'll think like Christ the more you spend time in this book. It's profitable in all things. Here's, here's where the devil comes in and the lie is. All right? The devil has convinced Christians today that people that want to live godly is because they're trying to prove they're better than other people. Not the case. Matter of fact, if you're trying to live a godly life to prove you're better than someone, you're very prideful and you need to get right with the Lord on that. You don't live godly to prove something. Some people teach that you have to live godly because in order to get God to love you more. Not true. God's not going to love you more or less. He already chose to love you and while we were sinners. Some people try to live godly because, you know, they're trying to, uh, you know, uh, lift themselves up in pride or prove something or purchase to themselves some high degree. It's not about getting anything. It's not about proving anything to people. You live godly because you love God. You live godly because you just want to glorify God. You live godly because you know that's what He would want you to do. So to certain things, I don't do. There's certain places, I don't go. There's certain things, I don't put on. There's certain things, I don't listen to. Not because I feel I'm better than anybody else. Not because I'm trying to prove something to somebody. I never look at another church and say, well, I'm better than they are. I never look at another Christian. My only responsibility in living a godly life is to say, am I pleasing you, God? It's what it's all about. And when we do live a life that is, that is pleasing to God, it's profitable in all things. Your life is better. I mean, your home is better. And it's this world today that, that pushes this agenda. And by world, I mean in our churches today that pushes this agenda. I'll just come however you want to, act however you want to. Hey, you want to go out and drink? We'll go out and have a party together. Hey, you want to listen to your wicked music? You want to dress however you want to? It's all okay. It's under grace, man. Do whatever you want to. And it sounds really good. And God still does love them. I already said that. But the fact is this. It's their life that's suffering. It's their homes that are being torn apart. They're destroying their own marriages and destroying their own, their own relationship with their loved ones. And their children are going off in wickedness. And they're unsettled at night. And they don't have peace. And they don't have any comfort. And they have no rest. And they're just literally going crazy. And they're saying, but I'm going to church. What's wrong? They're missing godliness. Godliness changes the life. It's profitable. Do we believe the Bible tonight? That's what it says. Godliness is profitable unto all things in this life and the life that is to come. Listen, when we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, right? How in shape you were in your, you know, your, what do you call that? Body mass index, right? It's really not going to be talked about. It's not, right? But when we get to heaven, 
what we did for the Lord Jesus Christ, it will be worth it all. Amen. How many hours you spent in a gym isn't going to impress the Lord in any way. But the change that we made in our life, in our home, in our marriage, and in other people's lives by our time spent on our knees is going to mean everything. Now, don't get me wrong. This physical body is it's important. We've got to take care of it. But in comparison, godliness is profitable. And in verse number 9, godliness is preferable. It says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all expectation. This is a faithful saying. That's an interesting phrase. We found it in chapter number 1. Go back there real quick. Chapter 1 and in verse number 15. It says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Amen. That word, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation means this. This is absolutely true. We don't have to doubt it and we can rest on this statement. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's how we get godliness. Because Jesus Christ did it. He came. He died for us. I can't be godly without him. That's how we get godliness. But back in our text in chapter 4 and verse number 9, same statement. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all expectation. This is referring to the fact that there, this, there is a life to come and godliness is profitable. That first statement using that phrase is how we get godliness. This statement is what godliness gets us. That is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That it will be worth it, my friend, to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to doubt that. He's coming back and it will be worth it. So we saw number one, all right, I'll hurry up, the question of proper uh, exercising. Then we see number two, the question of painful experience. In these two verses, and we're done in verse 10 and 11. We see an ex exclamation in verse number 10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. An exclamation. You see, first of all, in this verse, I just broke this verse down in a few points, all right? Just look at it with me real quick. You see the motivation for therefore. That's our motivation. Anytime you see in the Bible a therefore, you need to ask yourself what it's? Yeah, right? So therefore, we labor and suffer reproach. Well, what's it referring to? It's our motivation. It's the fact that he's coming back, that there is a world to come. And godliness is important. So knowing this, we therefore labor and suffer reproach. You see the motivation, it's going to be worth it. Then you see the ministry, we labor. We serve the Lord. Knowing He's coming back, we need to want to serve the Lord. Knowing He's coming back, we shouldn't waste our life on things that are unfruitful. Now we have to work. We have to, you know, that's what Paul talked about. You know, those that are married have the cares of this world. You know, we got these electric bills and water bills and kids want to eat and it's, they need clothes and it's crazy, right? And we have to take care of these things, all right? And, and God understands that and we do. But when we begin to live for the things of the world, like we said this morning, there's something bad wrong. And so we, therefore, we both labor. We should want to serve God. We should want to minister in this life, all right? You see the motivation, the ministry, and then the mistreatment. And will suffer reproach. If you're going to live godly, 
you're going to suffer reproach. I mean, Jesus said it. All they that live godly. There will be persecution. There will be reproach. There will be people who will scorn. But it's worth it. Because we're going to stand before the Lord one day. And you see our motivation, the ministry, and the mistreatment. And there's maybe times. I'm just telling you, if you're going to live godly, people are going to roll their eyes at you. Now, we're very blessed to live in the country that we live in right now and have been living in. You can live as godly as you want, and there's no one been persecuting us for it. You say, well, someone made fun of me. Ugh. Tell that to one of these guys in Fox's Book of Martyrs, right? Someone made fun of me. They're going to be like, seriously, I was eaten by animals, right? I mean, seriously, right? I mean, they're going to look at us, right? That, that's all you suffered, right? We don't suffer here. We haven't. But there, there's people that may roll their eyes, and, and sadly, most of that comes from even other people that claim salvation. You'll find also in these last days as there will be a departing of the faith, which is in this chapter in the context, right? That you're going to find there's going to be people that look at the Christians, that look at other people that's trying to live a godly life, not to prove anything, not to, nothing special, just trying to please the Lord. And because of guilt and conviction, they're going to try to tear down the believer that's living a godly life in every way that they can. They're going to try to criticize and be critical and make fun of. You're going to suffer reproach. But that's okay. Right? You see the mistreatment, and then you see the means. The means in that verse. Right? How do we do it? It says there again, Therefore we both labor, therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. Savior of all men. You know how we get through it? the making fun of and the laboring and the ministry. You know, what, you know what motivates us to keep living godly? Because I trust the Savior. I trust the Savior. And I, I again, just want to take a brief moment and explain that. Who is the Savior of all men. And yes, He would save anyone and everyone. But obviously He's there are many people that do not have them as his Savior. So what is that, that verse talking about, all right? What that verse is quickly talking about is this. Because of God's mercy, if it wasn't for the mercy and the long-suffering and the patience of God, this world, you think it's bad. America deserves the wrath of God. I have a streak, a church on every street corner to have the Bible and the heritage that we have the word of God accessible like we do and to be voting on whether we should kill babies or not to have all that we have and to not just be defending but promoting an abominable lifestyle. You know the only reason why we're still standing here today, and this country is still going as well as it's going, it's called the mercy of God. Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he is patient, he is long-suffering. 
He's the Savior of all men. If he wasn't restraining his judgment, but he's given us more time to reach others. He's the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. We see his mercy in the life of those who are not saved. But praise the Lord for redemption for us that do believe. He is our Savior. We're, praise the Lord, we rejoice in him today. You see an exclamation, then verse number 11, we're done in an exhortation. These things command and teach. These, command, these things command and teach. You see, first of all, you see preaching with authority. These things command. Now I'm going to speak about this tomorrow night in our cults class. A pastor of a church, like-minded church, it's, they don't get up in a means of flexing their authority. Paul's telling Timothy here, you don't get up and say, hey, I'm Timothy, listen to me. You need to obey me. When he says these things command, it's not about that. We're not to be you know, lords over God's heritage. It's not about that. But these things command, listen, here's the bottom line, right? Your pastor's only obligation is to preach what God has said. Because this book is the authority. I'm not trying to control anyone. I can't, nor do I desire to. <laughs> not my job. I don't control, I don't follow anybody home. I'm not inspecting what you're looking at. I have no desire to do that. I'm so thankful that's not in my job description, right? That is not what I do. I don't control you. I don't dictate over your life. My only responsibility is to preach what thus saith the Lord. And I have no problem saying you need to be godly. Not because I need, want you to, which I do, but that's not the reason you do it. Not because I told you to. On my roll. I'm telling you what God has said. I am telling you what the Word of God says. And the authority is not me, the authority is God. It's His Word. I'm glad it's not my job to make sure everybody's following the line. And while it hurts when people don't, I don't have to take it personally when someone doesn't. I grieve for them. I am going to give an account for every church member. Not for what you do, but for what I've shared with you. So, I pull you aside and say, hey, I'm worried about this and I really think that you ought to do this or you need to go talk to this person, you need to get right with this person or you need to, you know, and, you know or change this lifestyle or you better be careful, this is going to affect your family. I'm not trying to control you. Zero. Zero percent trying to control you. I just love you and I'm telling you what God's word says. And I know what being ungodly will bring into a life. And so it is to be preached with authority and it should be preached with accuracy. 
these things command and teach. Teach what? These things. What are the these things? Well, it starts in chapter 3 and verse 16. It's the doctrine. It's the life of Christ, the ministry of Christ, redemption, doctrine of Christ. What things? God's word. What God has given us, the word of God. I wrote down in this way, teach these things. The gospel, God's word, and this is the context, godliness. Teach these things. Pastor, you're, you're always getting up telling us how we, we ought to live. That's kind of what we're supposed to keep teaching. Is the gospel, God's word, and godliness. Not my job to make up what I want you to do. Not my job to share my opinions and enforce those or my preferences. These things. God's already given us what we need to teach. I teach and preach, and every pastor should be doing the same. These things. If we're going to be spiritual, if we're going to be godly, we've got to work at it. We've got to get in this book. We've got to practice what this book says. We've got to live it. Just sitting here would be about as equivalent as sitting on the little folding chair in the foyer of Planet Fitness. You can sit there 24 hours a day. And it's going to help you none. What it will do, though, is leave you starting to get frustrated watching all these other people, seeing their lives change. Mine's not, and I'm sitting here in Planet Fitness every day. And you'll end up quitting going to Planet Fitness because you get frustrated because it's not working for you. Follow me. You sit in church. It's not going to make you spiritual. You'll get really frustrated watching other people who are applying these things, growing, and their family seems so happy, and all these things are happening. It takes work, but it's profitable in all things.